faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman-splaining, with me, David Yoder, and my uninformed friend, Dennis St. John. Now, let me Superman's explain uh, Superman comics to you. I'm David Yoder, here to talk about Superman for the month of Jan- uh, June, not January, June 1992. And with me is my pal... Hey, I'm Dennis. Welcome to January. <laughs> I'm uh, Dennis St. John. I am here to get explained to and pretend to listen. You don't know nothing about Superman. I know all the Who's things. Who's Superman? Well, you did just have a, a episode to talk about Superman and aliens. What was it? Alien? Yeah. yeah. I have a random issue of I didn't mention it on that episode, but I have a random issue of Superman and the Terminator. Is that in that Dark Horse book as well? Uh Dark Horse. I would have to grab it to look. Um Oh, which is it's right next to me so I can see. Okay, I was going to say it's not that important. But. <laughs> uh I don't think it is. I don't remember it being in there. Well, it's definitely a Dark Horse Superman comic. Maybe it came so out after this book. Huh. That sounds cool. I do really like um, my very favorite Terminator comic is the Dark Horse Terminator versus Robocop. It's so good. Oh, that sounds pretty fun. Um, and the comics that I'm going to tell you about this time, they're pretty fun as well, I would say. I, I had a good time for the most part reading them. I'm going to start with Superman, The Man of Steel, oh. number 12. Look at They've that got worm creature. sign. What? I was like in Dune when the giant worms pop up. They're like, we have worm sign. Okay. I'm glad that's where your mind went. Cause like some of the images of the thing, I'm just like, what are we going for here? <laughs> but, um, sandworms, the, you hate them, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the title for this one is Metropolis. Metropolis's underworld breaks loose or, Panic in the streets. Oh, like panic in the sky. Party skies. in the sheets. <laughs> no, what? Like, yeah, like panic in the sky. Um, panic in the sky. And Luis Simonson is writer again. John Bogdanov is layouts. I'm tripping over every word. Uh, Hilary Barta does finishes. And it's number 21 in reading order 1992. And that's all the preamble set up. But first, before I get into it too much, Got to throw a trivia question about this issue at you, Dennis. All right. All right. Let's find out if I know. If you want to read a Superman, maybe Terminator, or whatever Superman comic you pick next time, um, you got to get to that next 50-point mark. You get five points for a correct answer without any of the choices, two points with the choices, and it's double for the bonus question. And like I said, you're at 154 right now, so you need to get to 200 to read another Superman comic. All right, them's the rules. Yeah, think you can do it this time. I mean, yeah, I think I can. I can do fifty, almost fifty points. Just in the I don't summer. know if that's even mathematically possible. <laughs> but uh, so the question for this issue is: What nickname is not used for Professor Emil Hamilton in Superman: The Man of Steel number twelve? Well, I'm automatically going to get this because my blind guest will be a nickname that isn't used. <laughs> Wow, I did. Uh, so uh, they don't call him uh, Old Banana Nose. I I really rigged this against myself somehow. I guess I have to give you the points. But can I give you the choices that I wrote, yeah, and then you totally. can decide? I thought I was doing a fun inversion thing, and then I didn't even think about. I'm so dumb. Oh my goodness, these Superman comics just have made me really dumb. All right, so your choice for no, uh, choice A is ham. Choice B is ham bone, and choice C is hammy. Oh, yeah, these are fun Playing nicknames on, for him. Playing on his last name. Yeah. Uh, I like ham bone a lot. That would be if I had a friend named Hamilton, I would totally call him ham bone. Um, so I'll say hammy, I guess. Yeah, hammy is the lame one that I came up with, but you already got the points for your what was the whatever old banana nose, which is a Snoopy nickname. Uh, oh yeah, man, I you like. <laughs> You took me down like three pegs by like, uh, like breaking the question on me. But all right, we'll get into it now. So, we've got these war worlders 
from that war world war world planet oh my goodness i can't say anything and then <laughs> and uh they they survived the swarm that came to earth you remember the swarm, the swarm from maybe? war world yeah and their names i'm not even gonna try to it's like carl l it's k-r-l dash l that's the the big guy with the tiny face kind of and then there's moa m-o apostrophe a-h that's the bug looking guy and then there's Lair- larry which is l dash rri and that's the little guy um that has the axe between his belt most of the time okay these are pretty cool looking aliens the big guy kind of feels like maybe it's just because i was just looking at like ninja turtle comics but he feels like a ninja turtle to me the- yeah they they are fun alien designs and i think they might have like shown up like i said in that the swarm issue where there was that big black swarm that lex saved everybody from anyway now uh apparently they they're still on earth and they want to get revenge on the earth for some reason uh they're stealing science equipment to build a bomb underground that's that's the story basically getting revenge on an entire planet is like a crazy big idea right well, it's like Metropolis, and then they expand it to the world by the end, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's, I guess a lot of supervillains want revenge on the world. It just like seems like, dude, be more specific with your rage. Yeah, pretty pretty, uh, pretty ambitious for just four guys, basically, to <laughs> be like, yeah, we're going to get revenge on the world. Um, so Superman tries to stop them, but... They create a diversion by attacking a science lab, so he has to rescue the scientists or whatever. Uh, he's talking to Lois about it at the Daily Planet later, and she says that she he should talk to Hamilton or Ham about it. That this is why I put that question in there is because like there's those nicknames like everyone's calling him Ham, <laughs> and there's someone that calls him Hambone later that we'll get to. And they walk by Perry White's office where he's consoling Foswell about losing the job at the Daily Planet who cares um because <laughs> it's foswell and then at the diner where uh mildred works she's back to work but she's still feeling kind of sore from her hospital uh you know she just got out of the hospital basically but she's also like untrustworthy to go back to the doctor there's something going on there but i don't know what they're hinting at oh. and she tells hammy to be careful with uh the recent science robberies and he leaves the diner and he goes to his lab and immediately gets robbed by the war worlders <laughs> and he follows them to the sewer where he like falls off the ladder going down the sewer just what happens um Ems the breaks. superman superman shows up like right after all this as well like just really a minute too late at the lab to check in on uh ham and uh we see his face in complete shadow there. I just thought it was an interesting drawing choice. It's like, if they want to draw evil Superman, they definitely have options. There. Yeah. In the sewer grub, who's a former cellmate of ham bones. Uh, and that's, he, he's the grub is the one that calls him ham bone. Uh, he, I guess he was like stabbed in prison, but he survived that. And uh, now he's living in the sewer with his friends that are, experiments from cadmus that escaped and it's this like turtle looking guy and this like eel fish looking guy but he has like arms and he's really like long yeah they're interesting looking character yeah designs this feels well. very turtles also although the guy you, yeah you, in the sewers with these creatures yeah, yeah it's very ninja turtles although yeah, the guy you identified call. as a turtle is clearly a snail right like he's yeah he's kind of more like slug like or snail like i guess but the way he's standing in with the shell made me think of turtles yeah. and I didn't even think about Ninja Turtles when I was taking my notes. Uh, meanwhile, uh, one page we get is uh, uh, a flying cyborg that uh, steals Metallo's head from a prison transport. Oh. So maybe that'll come into play later. Uh, this then, is like not part of the plot. It's just like part of the continuing drama of what, Superman's life, right? <laughs> Yeah, they have their diversions, like, or, you know, those, like, half-page or full-page things where it's just like, this is also going on, don't forget, you know, the soap opera aspect of the Superman comics, I guess. Yeah, and it's funny, the variety of, like, I don't trust the Doctor, and then, like, a cyborg steals Metallo's head, his <laughs> screaming <Yeah>. robot skull. <laughs> it's a very strange world that Superman lives in. Yeah, um, that's part of the fun, to me, is, like, 
the randomness of Superman's world. Yeah, anything can happen. And along with that, uh, Hamilton the musical calls Superman for help, but he also <laughs> gets the attention of Cruiser, who is the giant worm thing that we see on the cover, the, the like the dune worm or tremor worm, whatever it is. This cruiser creature eats that giant bomb. That's the thing that they find underground, the giant like scientific thing. Uh, that looks kind of like the Technodrome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Another Turtles reference. And this is where the action happens. Uh, Superman's struggling with the giant worm after and he knows that it has the bomb in it. So he takes it into space and it blows up. Um, so nobody gets hurt, <laughs> except for the giant worm, I guess. And the War Worlders and the Cadmus experiments, those guys, they all escape into the underworld, which no one was calling it the underworld until like this last page <laughs> as well. It was another thing of like, what? what? We're just calling it this now? And uh, But the War Worlders vow to get revenge on Superman's world. So that's where their ambitions get a little higher here at the end, I guess. Yeah, I see. This is one of those wild, like, I mean, just Superman's so strong that they're like, this very insane problem, like a giant kaiju-sized worm has a bomb in it and it's going to explode Metropolis. Superman's like, I could just pick it up and throw it into space. Yeah, at first, I didn't put this picture in there, but at first he's just, like, trying to grab it by, like, the tooth because, like, he doesn't know where even to, like, like, you know, get a hold of this thing. Imagine being lifted up by your own teeth. That sounds... Really tough on the gums. Yeah, if a tiny creature was just like lifting you up by one tooth, yeah. that'd be crazy. All right, on to the next Superman comic for this month is uh, Superman sixty-eight, Terminated or Sins of the Father, and it's Dan Jurgen's story and art. Brett Breeding finishes, and it's number twenty-two in the reading order for nineteen ninety-two. And by the cover and title, we know we're dealing with. Uh, Deathstroke Terminator. Slade Wilson. Yeah. Which I was getting very confused taking my notes because I kept wanting to write Wade Wilson because right. like that name is much more in my head. And it's crazy that Deadpool came out after yeah. like you know, there's so many characters that rip off each other, but like how can you have a character called Slade Wilson in one company <laughs> and then another called Wade? Wade Wilson. It's very similar. Yeah. I mean and they their costuming isn't that different. The color scheme is different, but the like Eye color shape and I don't know. Yeah, it's just such yeah. such blatant thievery, right? Can I ask you a question while we're on the name topic? Before I even get to the question here, I was reading uh, the Superman, or not Superman, but the this biography about Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster who created Superman, and uh, I was talking about how I didn't really realize. I guess Jerry Siegel also created uh, the Spectre. Oh know? yeah, huh. um, and. Do you know what the Spectre, the original Spectre's name was, like, when he was a human before he became the Spectre? Not off the top of my head, no. It was like Dan something, right? It's Jimmy Corrigan. Oh. It's literally the same name as <laughs> the smartest the boy Chris on Earth. Ware book. Yeah, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> it's just interesting. It's a good name. It is. It fits, it's funny, it fits... Jimmy, to to my head, it fits Jimmy Corrigan, the Chris Ware character, more than it fits like God's uh, vengeance. Cop you know? brought back from the dead. That's like death itself, and on a yeah, vengeance. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all that set up for uh, why are the cops after Deathstroke Terminator in this issue in Superman sixty eight? Um, he assassinated uh, an an ambassador. Interesting. I don't think that's one of my options, and this time you don't get the points that way. (laughs) (laughs) So your choices are A, he killed his son, B, he attacked a CIA agent in Germany, or C, he committed war crimes in Vietnam while serving with Sam Lane. Okay. Uh, So I know that he did kill his son Jericho in the pages of Teen Teen Titans, but that was a while ago, right? Because that was like... So I'm going to, that very specific thing you said about Sam Lane, I'm going to say that. Ooh, that's the one where I was stretching the truth quite a bit, and that's not the right answer. It's actually that I guess he got in some fight with a CIA agent in Germany, and then some trouble with, uh, what does he say? Ran into trouble in Karak, you know, the oh, Middle Eastern country, but I don't know what he did. They 
the editor's telling me to see Deathstroke number one through five, but I'm not going to do that because I don't have those comics. <laughs> um, I didn't. That's interesting that you knew about him killing his son from Teen Titans because I didn't know about that at all. I knew about like I don't think I've really read any Deathstroke comics other than like when he's popped up in Superman here and uh, he in the Panic in the Sky he was like musing on the fact that his son had died and what he was going to tell his wife. But like it's in this issue for me that it's revealed that like no he's the one that killed oh his son yeah yeah I've never really read a Deathstroke comic because I don't have a particular interest in that character but I've read some of the like George Perez uh, Teen Titan stuff so yeah that's there's just so it. much of that though that's one of those comics that's like hard to get yeah into uh, not like Superman where everything's <laughs> clear cut and... <laughs> yeah I used to just check out random issues of every like or collections of any any like OGN that was or not OGN any trade paperback that was at like the Bloomington library so that's how I read a lot of oh, yeah. Titans. yeah use your library it's a good source yeah man um but the the choice that you picked uh the comic doesn't address that he committed any war crimes but he did serve in some war which pretty much is painted to be Vietnam in the in the comic uh with Sam Lane but then it got me thinking about, like, when was the Vietnam... Maybe it's the Korean War. But, like, because I was trying to think of, like... Because they, at one point, are in the flashback musing about themselves having children. And so it's like, if this is Sam Lane before he had Lois Lane, and Lois is in, like, her 20s, and this is 1992. <laughs> right. You know, like, just trying to do that math. Well, the Korean like, War would is... make him older, right? The Vietnam War came after the Korean War. Right. So maybe... I don't know. Anyway... Yeah. Let's get into this story. So we got uh, Slade Wilson, who, like, I did not, like I said, because I'm not familiar with this character. Like, I didn't recognize him just as a passenger without his costume on this plane um, that is at the airport with a, also has on board the flight attendant, Lucy Lane. Oh, what a coinkadink. That was her job. And Maggie Sawyer and the special crimes unit, the SCU, they're there at the airport disguised as, like, airport workers and they're trying to bring him in for his issues and but instead they end up shooting lucy lane by mistake oh real kind of like uh barbara gordon type situation looking (laughs) right yeah but slade you know he's quick on his feet he puts on his costume and he's uh, able to escape taking a plane fueling vehicle onto the highway (laughs) and maggie sawyer is riding atop of it and she does a move where she kicks in the front windshield and like knocks him off the road or knocks them all off the road, but she ends up knocked out and Wilson escapes. So that that's, there's a lot of action in this one. Yeah. I, I don't know if it always makes coherent sense, but it's nice, like fun visual action. It's funny also when like an artist focuses on details, like Maggie Sawyer's like sneakers are very specifically drawn. <laughs> Isn't that like her kicking through the glass page? I kept looking at the tread of the sneakers thinking it was going to be some word or like... Yeah, because that tread is so specifically like rendered out and it's like distracting. Yeah, Yeah, but it's... I I still think it looks looks cool, even though like it said doesn't make the most logical sense maybe. And uh, we get another action scene of Clark and Lois having dinner that Clark has cooked some beef wellington for Lois. So that's a nice... (laughs) little scene but they they get a call oh i should show you his cell phone or not i don't i don't know if it's even a cell phone i think it's maybe just one of those uh you know in-home like cordless phones but look at that yeah look at that beast that's that's early 90s that's what phones used to look like kids yeah um well they get a call on that phone uh that you know lucy's in the hospital that's uh sam lane is the one that calls to tell them that and Jimmy is also at the hospital with Clark in the lanes, but he has no lines. Because if you remember, Jimmy was dating Lucy, but like, I think in his like getting evicted and things, he kind of broke up with her just because like his life was going so bad or something. I don't know. Right. It's it's not clear, but um, that that's going on. And they or Sam Lane reveals to them that Deathstroke, Terminator whatever deathstroke the what is his name yeah it's deathstroke the terminator yeah okay um 
that he's responsible. And so Lois tells Clark to bring in this Terminator, <laughs> which I wonder, like, because it's now in the 90s, if they can't say the, it's it's a Terminator. It's not the Terminator. It's not Arnold. And uh, Wilson's in hiding at this hotel and he's reading the newspaper about how Lucy got shot. And it's revealed in the paper that it's uh, Lucy Lane, daughter of Sam Lane. So that's what makes him flashback. And he's wondering if it's the same Sam Lane that he served with or injured. And they heal each other up and fight out of it to survive that battle to get home. I don't know. Anything to say on this so far? <laughs> um, so this po- this uh, one of these images you sent, he's like shooting Superman. And Superman's like, you might be enhanced, but you aren't anywhere near my power level. And like, I don't fully recall what Deathstroke the Terminator's enhancements are, but I think he's kind of got like a Captain America kind of super serum where he's like, he's not like the comic version where he's not like super powered, but he's at like, he's at permanent, like top human physical performance. Right. I think that's kind of what his power level is. We haven't quite gotten to that sequence yet, but uh, yeah, I that's I don't know anything about. Like I said, I know very little about this character. I, in fact, what I most know may be from he was that was the character in the new Suicide Squad movie, right? The James Gunn one was that. I don't think he's, he's supposed to be that. Deathstroke. No, he's in. Um, at the v- is that not who Idris Elba is? No, he's playing um, somebody else whose name I can't recall. Uh, Bloodsport. Yeah, he's okay, playing Bloodsport. Yeah. Wait, Who's, was Will Smith? No, he plays uh, um, Deadshot. <laughs> I think, uh, what's his name? Oh James, my gosh, all these... James Mangioli <laughs> plays Deathstroke, and he's only oh, shown up. Oh, yes. When did he show he up? He shows up Justice at the end League? of one of the. One he of... showed up at the end of ju- the original ju- Zack Snyder Justice, or Joss Whedon Zack Snyder Justice lead. And then when they had the three hour cut, he gets he shows up in that post credits, like apocalypse vision as well yeah. so it's like a reveal and then a double like if that's your first time anyway so that's who he, yeah that's okay. who he plays but it's like also like this is not a like we're obviously bigger superman nerds than most people and we barely know this character right like it's a weird reveal back i thought of two other characters that have been in other films before i thought of the yeah character. and also anyway. like deathstroke and deadshot have such similar names yeah, just putting death or dead in the and they both have like the... they both go for the like one eye thing because for mm-hmm. different reasons, right? Like one has an eye patch and the other always has like his one eye for targeting or something. Right? <laughs> uh, Slade Wilson has the eye patch. That is something I learned from reading this comic. Okay, yeah, uh, Superman. He goes to talk to Maggie Sawyer and uh, to ask like what went wrong at their their the airport and somebody comes in to tell Maggie where Wilson is. And so Superman finds out where Wilson is. Like it's just to move things along sort of scene. Anyway, meanwhile at news time, which is this fake magazine in DC universe, uh, Thornton Thorn Thornton. Uh, he's the editor publisher. He also ran for mayor, but lost. He fires Ronald Troop Troop who you may not even remember who that is. And as Ron is leaving, uh, Foswell's coming in, getting off an elevator. And uh, Foswell also does not get a job. He gets <laughs> turned out. So, um, so I think Jimmy the, Olsen's bad luck has transferred to Foswell. Yeah, which I'm fine with that. Um, also, in another, like, this is also going on, um, Senator Pete Ross gets approached on Capitol Hill by that son of Sons of Liberty gun gun lobbyist guy and the evil judge that hired lana lang so those guys are bad and they're planning something and that's basically all that scene is meant to say okay i don't know i i feel like i don't know where these things are going you know because so you feel like you need to mention them because they're going to come up at some point i'm just touching on them because like maybe it'll be a bigger thing but then it was like the whole mayoral campaign i thought like oh this is going to be a big thing and then it's just like nope the old mayor gets reelected as mayor and it's just like what was the point (laughs) (laughs) so back to the main action superman and wilson have some cool action sequences which again like they look really cool i don't know how much they make like physical logistical sense like 
what's his name deathstroke is that who this guy deathstroke he like flings off a building like uses a flagpole to swing and then like jumps on the ground and he lands right in front of a truck and then he like slides under it and then several other cars before hitching a ride on the back of a bus <laughs> like to try to lose superman but superman catches up to him pretty quickly uh he's got him and you know he's like i'm gonna take you in but wilson asks to go to the hospital to see lucy and sam he tries to apologize to sam lane but sam punches uh wilson deathstroke who's still in costume as deathstroke i should mention and sam lane doesn't learn that deathstroke is slade wilson even though the cops know that's his identity superman like it seems like most people know that that's oh but he didn't know yeah and deathstroke says like he'd rather like sam lane remember you know slade wilson you know, as a good memory or whatever. And anyway, he gets taken and he gets arrested and that's where that story ends. And it's like telling you to continue to in the pages of Terminator number 12, which <laughs> I guess is what his issue or his title is called. Wow, that sounds confusing. Why would they do it that way? <laughs> but for me, I actually like, I had fun with this issue and like, even though Superman's not really like the main point of it and it is a character that like i don't know too much and don't care about like it was a fun enough story that went fast and like you know like it didn't hurt anything <laughs> i guess i'll say it you know like yeah like I, I had a good time with it all right and now we're on to we're halfway there Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're looking at adventures of superman 491 cerberus plus metallo equals pain if you can see there or a good head on your shoulders, and it's uh, Tom Grummet is pencils, Doug Hazelwood inks, and Jerry Ordway writes, and it's number twenty-three in reading order, nineteen ninety-two. Let's see if you can get some points for this one. Okay, here we go. Who does Jimmy Olsen agree to help get a job at the Daily Planet in Adventures of Superman four ninety-one? Um, who? Yeah. Uh, think about maybe some of the things I covered in the last Foswell. Is it Foswell? Well, that is a choice, and that's one of the choices that I'll give you. Uh, a Ron Troop, Trout, whatever. B Bibbo or C Foswell. Uh, I'll stick with Foswell, I guess. It's Ron is the guy. I still don't recall who this character is. I feel like that's been my struggle every time you bring up this character. Okay, I don't uh, know them. Is that guy? Oh, okay. He was. He got the job that Jimmy was going to interview for at News Time. He got it instead to become the campaign guy for Thornton for his mayoral run. He had the bad slogan, and then also he ha- he interviewed with Foswell but didn't get hired. And that's I think he's the one that coined the name Fosdick because like uh. Foswell got his name wrong. So you know, if you remember anything, Ron. Ron is the creator of Fosdick. So that's, uh... <laughs> All right. You're one for three so far with the quiz questions. So. Okay. So uh, did you look at the images for this one? Because the stuff at the beginning, I do want to kind of talk about. Yeah. Bit. We've been talking about the Terminator shows up. Yeah. Deathstroke the Terminator. And we get the splash page, which Cat Grant has taken her son, Adam, and her boyfriend, Jose, to see this Terminator 2 knockoff. I just want to read some of this dialogue. Uh, so the Terminator looking guy is saying, I am the 650 model exterminator for crying out loud. My prime function is upholding the law. Little Billy must learn that crimes does not pay. And then the uh, Linda Carter, right? No, wait. Hamilton? Linda Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. Linda Carter is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, Linda, Linda Hamilton looking woman and saying, no, not my son. And then there's Billy in the foreground saying, Look, I'm a smart mouth kid, but I'm also the key to his future. No way is he going to kill me. <laughs> and then we hear, but we don't see the Terminator then say, hasta la vista, Billy, which I can't believe they had <laughs> the gumption to like include this parody. And then also the phrase hasta la vista, like that is like getting about as close as you can get to be parody or whatever. Yeah. This brings up a question because I know like the Terminator movie also exists in the marvel universe and stuff and it was like 
would a giant special effects movie with a robot Terminator with a, like a you know a robot skeleton be in any way a big deal in a universe where superheroes exist for real? You know. Yeah, that's it's a good question. Um, kind of like how in Watchmen, like they don't have Superman comics; it's like pirate comics because yeah. they have real life superheroes. But and in this comic, the next sequence is Metallo like literally bursting through the screen at the movie theater and he's saying that's all folks (laughs) like and he's got uh this new shiny bigger metal body um that his head is on so like he looks more intimidating than you know or if that was like in a live action movie it would look way more intimidating than you know what the terminator looks like in terminator 2 yeah but like the audience members are like one of them saying like you got to be kidding me i come here to the movies to get away from this stuff like so (laughs) And, and another film nerd is saying, Oh, I guess I can wait for this film to come out on Laserdisc to find Ooh, out how it ends. Laserdisc. Yeah, that's a format you don't hear mentioned very often. It's um, a very specific time that this uh, comic came out. I mean, Laserdiscs are high resolution, I think, but you have to flip them over an hour <laughs> into the movie. So it's not like, anyway. Okay, that's fun side <laughs> tracking, but. Uh, so uh, Metallo's like attacking this theater. His plan is just to send everybody running and create this like big scene that basically Superman can't ignore and he has to show up. For, he wants to fight Superman. Ah, classic. It's funny his um looking at his robot design, he's got these like very visible handlebars above his head. <laughs> yeah. like, Don't I don't know what the purpose of that is. Maybe so. So, like, if it's if it's too far for him to walk somewhere, he can be like helicoptered, yeah. like you know, like hooked and like carried. Or maybe somewhere. like I assume he this new body was built by Cer- Cerberus. Yes. Like maybe somebody from Cerberus is like, and someday you'll let me ride you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of those that 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 dominatrix character or whatever yeah. that was. While uh, Metal is tearing up the, this theater, though, like. Jose does like he saves a, a kid that's in danger, not Cat Grant's kid, but uh, you know they get to safety. But while he's trying to fight Metallo, he gets like uh, stepped on and like he can't move. He becomes paralyzed again, which is like was his big thing before. But also he almost gets his like head stomped on um, at one point, and uh, uh, but he gets saved by Turpin from SCU shows up because they've been. Uh, aware since he got you know escaped from the transporter or whatever they've been there's looking a, for him yeah there's turpin oh he hit him with a truck catching. like terminator well he like put this like suction cup thing that somehow pulled him down the hallway of like i don't I, it doesn't really make sense so clark lois and jimmy are visiting the unconscious lucy lane when superman hears about the trouble at the theater and jimmy's really lamenting about you know lucy and just how they you know were kind of on again off again or whatever and lois is consoling him even though it's lois's sister you know uh but like everyone's under the assumption that she'll be okay and uh superman shows up at that theater and here's a nice page of him flying uh and they they have a little fight uh superman tries his heat vision but it just bounces right off of metallo's new body oh he must have mandalorian armor Mandalorian, yeah, whatever that Mandalorian armor is that uh, lasers bounce off of, right? I still haven't seen the Mandalorian, but he can just bounce lasers off of him. Yeah, that's their fancy armor that that that's like very high in demand in the Star Wars universe. Oh, why doesn't he put that armor around that that baby Yoda then? Yeah, good call. Check that baby. It's funny because it's like this armor would be totally useless against a bullet, but we don't have those in the Star Wars universe. Or just like a regular sword. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Superman and Mattel, they trade some punches. Uh, Mattel like, sends Superman flying through a building. Superman also tries to use his x-ray vision to verify that Mattel still has a human brain. You know, to know how hard he can go on this robot or whatever. Make sure that he's not just a robot. But the brain is encased in lead. So Metal's like, so now you aren't certain, oh. are you? Ha ha ha! But it's like that sounds okay, bad for we- your brain, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, weird flex sort of thing. <laughs> no, like- I'm just thinking like a human brain has limits, right? And 
being encased in lead seems like a bad thing for a human brain. Oh, you don't think that's a good like, idea? Considering like a little bit of lead in your water can really mess you up. Like your whole brain being wrapped I around. I heard it sounds like it's gonna your do something. brain in lead uh, is a cure for COVID, right? <laughs> Let's get that trending. <laughs> no. Um, uh, take that out. Okay, so... <laughs> Oh, Superman figures, though, to aim for Mattel's head because, like, the head is, like, still part of his old body. It's not part of this new, you know, more protective body. So he's just, like, punching, punching away at Mattel's head. And while he's doing that, Mattel kind of has uh, flashbacks to his creation and also to um, uh, Cerberus with uh, different heads uh, giving him this new body that he has now. And Metallo, like in his memory and talking out loud, he lets slip that he was working with Cerberus. And so Superman stops punching him and he gets Turpin to cover Metallo as well as Superman in this like green goo (laughs) that I guess prevents Cerberus from being destroyed by Metallo because all of the other. (laughs) Okay, I'm a little lost now. Just the covered in the green goo. It's the all the other like androids or cyborgs or whatever. They're not in this issue, but uh, that had been working with Cerberus. Whenever like Superman defeated them, they always like self destructed or like put themselves in like a comatose state, and that was like Cerberus like shut them down. Oh, okay. Because it was like they did their job, and also like things are kind of progressing with the Cerberus story in a way. I feel like that like at one point. Cerberus had said that like it was learning about Superman, like his weaknesses and stuff to figure out how to fight him. So now he's built a robot that like, you know, like I said, like the heat vision bounces off of, you know, like, so like it's, it's gaining knowledge or whatever. Uh, So there, there's this green goo that's all over Cerberus and Superman and Superman. He burns off that goo by going to a waste to energy plant a plant that yeah. turns waste into energy and he just steps into their furnace and like burns it off. And the workers are like, why don't you usually like just fly up to the sun and do that? And he's like, yeah, but you guys were closer. So you're closer than the sun. And then we end with Jimmy putting in a good word for Ron uh, to get a job, but he's really jovial with Ron at first. He's like, what are you spying on us for Colin Thornton? And then he's like, hey, it was only a joke. And he's like, you're not trying to steal my job again, are you? And Ron's like, I like was not, I didn't steal that job for you. I got it. And then he's like, I'm just yanking you, Ron, or whatever. But it's just like very jovial for Jimmy, who like the last we saw him in the comic, he was like, you know, crying over his girlfriend that's like in a coma, basically. Yeah. And uh, we get a neat little half page ad in the letters column telling you that you know, you should get all these Superman comics every month. You know, you got to read them all. It's the, the most dependably enjoyable series of superhero comics currently available. Oh, wait. The most dependably enjoyable series of superhero comics currently available is the Superman line. From the That's a quote from the Comics Buyer Guide. And uh, it's the never battle, never ending battle rages on 52 times a year. So... It never it never ends, Dennis. That's what they're t- <laughs> telling us. Like, just so you know, just keep reading ends. comics forever. Superman isn't gonna stop fighting evil. This quote is kind of funny to me, just because it's so like, yep, it's dependable. Like, it's not like, wow, I'm amazed. It's just like, yep, pretty dependable. Yeah, d- dependable. Yeah. Like, it's a durable comic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it serves its purpose. All right. We're on to the last one. Uh, Superman in Action Comics 678. They saved Luther's brain. Oh, finally we reveal what happened. That sounds exciting. Or Talking Heads. Yeah. And it's Roger Stern's writer, Jackson Geis, and Andy Parks are artists. And it's number 24 in the reading order for 1992. And you're... Oh, well... Not your last trivia question because we'll have a bonus one, which you can probably guess what the question format will be. But the <laughs> last question is, uh, what does Le- yeah, what term does Lex Two call journalists in uh, Action Comics six seventy eight? Uh, he calls them fake news. 
That is one of the choices. Let's see if that's where Donald Trump read this 1992 <laughs> Superman comic and came up with that term. So is it A, tabloidistas, B, bleeding journos, or C, fake news? Uh, I kind of like bleeding journos. That's like a gross term. Yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> and it's a bleeding with an apostrophe and journos is like journ for like journalists, but then O-E-S. It's like, I was like, I've never heard of, and I don't know if it's supposed to be an Australian slang thing or what. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> That's what that's what we got, but you guessed. Uh, well, I mean, they saved Luther's brain. You guessed one hundred percent correctly. This is where we finally learn the truth behind Luther two, and also with Lex Luther one's death or whatever. Uh, it's a Dabney Donovan story, and I'll uh, explain who Dabney Donovan is as we go along. But uh, first, we still got a little Metallo to take care of. He's uh, he wakes up uh, after getting put on a truck bed and taken to the cops and he tries to attack those cops. But Superman shows up and he just rips Metallo's head head off. <laughs> I guess he had loosened it in the previous fight. He mentioned from knocking. Him uh, out, yeah, so. it seems like uh, the solution might work the first time. Right. Yeah, I don't know why he just like left and like left these human cops to take care of this giant robot monster um, without doing that in the first place. But, you know, get some good action for the beginning of this comic. So I notice at the end of the last comic, his um, cape burned away. And at the beginning of this one, his cape's back. So I guess he stopped in at like Hamilton's apartment or something and grabbed yeah, his cape. Yeah, he went to old Hammy and he got his uh, his He got cape. the ham bone and got his cape <laughs> Maybe Hamilton, you know, he's a scientist. Maybe he's making those capes for you know, Superman in his spare time yeah. as well. And a non-Superman Metallo part of the story, uh, the, like I said, set up from last time, uh, Perry White hires Ron Ronald Trout, Troop Trout. Ron. Let's just call him Ron. Ron Weasley. He hires Got Ron. It. Ron, the originator of Fosdick. He, he's working at the Daily Planet now. Supergirl saves Lex 2 from a would-be assassin, but the bullets ricochet and hit the shooter, and that shooter is Dabney Donovan, a scientist and former co-founder of Cadmus Labs. Oh. So that's who Dabney Donovan is. He created, like, the DNA aliens, like Dubilex and such. He's into cloning and the human genome and stuff. So, And now he's an yeah. attempted assassin. So the... SCU put Metallo's heads on a head. He ha- he only has one head. Puts Metallo's head on a life support system created by Star Labs, which I don't think Star Labs is really around anymore, so it's just ham and eggs. Uh, uh, <laughs> Professor Hamilton. Just going to keep <laughs> filing on. Uh, Lana Lang in Washington, uh, she gets grabbed in an elevator at work by a Sons of Liberty janitor guy. That's that, that, well, that plot's going somewhere, I guess, right? And uh, Dabney, uh, he's in the hospital after his uh, would-be assassination attempt. Um, and he spills his guts to what he thinks are cops. Uh, he's blindfolded and he can't see. He explains how Luther faked his death. I, so he had, Luther 1 had a a corpse on the, that experimental jet that he was flying he had this body on there that he had already switched his medical records with for them to verify the body later with that scientist that or the doctor lady that was his doctor and this guy also happened to be missing his right hand so he put his prosthetic hand on this other Uh. guy that superman then found in the wreckage um it's a little messy i mean it's gonna get messier here and so he faked his death and he also uh, made a new body with his brain in it, uh, which you see some of those images of like the floating brain with the eyes. Yeah. Uh, and like just random organs, I guess. I guess. So I guess Lex 2 has Lex 1's eyes. I, I don't know. But um, <laughs> we also see kind of like, I don't know, the him in that clone tube, like really makes me think of like Venture Brothers and stuff, like where they're experimenting on him um he's very he wants to make sure that his new body has thick luxurious hair as well as 
being younger and taller and more physically fit. And they get him to learn how to speak with an Australian accent because he listens to like tape record, like, uh, like a, like learn a foreign language on tape kind of thing when you sleep or something like, so that's why he has an Australian accent. But as he's Dabney's telling this to these two guys in his hospital room, surprise, uh, those cops aren't cops. They're Lex two and some cohort of his, I guess that this other guy, that's not really that important. I important, important. <laughs> um, who is it? This guy who's not Natalie Portman. I get it. (laughs) Sidney Happerstan. Dr. Sidney Happerstan. I don't know who that's supposed to be, but like he's this guy that like rescued Lex from the plane crash initially. So it's like one person that knows a secret, but Dabney Donovan is one person. So too many. So they're going to get rid of him. But this Dabney Donovan in the hospital bed, he's not actually Dabney Donovan. He's a clone Uh. and he explodes. (laughs) That's pretty good. I mean, that's why you don't trust a guy to, who makes clones for a living to be himself, right? Right. <laughs> I never thought my own trick would be used against me by the man who invented my trick. It's just like, how can you ever be sure that this character will be dead now if he dies again? Yeah. It's like... And also, like, I don't know, at what point does it not even matter if you're a clone or not? If you can clone yourself and give yourself, like, enough of your own memories, like... Who's the original doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it's a real multiplicity situation we got going on here. Of, uh, I was thinking more like, uh, like in the Star Trek, uh, all the like Riker has transport has a transporter clone, but they're both the real Riker. Like, oh, I don't know if I remember that one, but that's that's pretty messed up. I'm sure there's like people that have already thought about like you know the Energizer beam. Like, it seems like it, it has to like kill you and then like just like regenerate you like on yeah essentially the surface, right? like well the thing about Star Trek like is that they've never hold on this isn't the Buffy Virgin podcast <laughs> you can't just go on about Star- no uh, go ahead like inside the Star Trek the world of Star Trek the universe of Star Trek they've never really dealt with like a soul like because it's a world of you know it's it's a it's a science fiction world so there's no such real they never like get stressed about the idea of the soul so there's always like like Riker gets transporter cloned and they're both really Riker like um but every time you're transported your molecules are taken apart they're beamed and then they're put back together and your mind is basically saved as like um a computer pattern right like at one point Picard's whole mind his body gets destroyed and his whole mind or like file not found sort of thing or something (laughs) is just the computer like but then when they build his body back I think they transporter saved his pattern or whatever they're not like well the real picard died and this is like a thing that has all of the computer memories it's just like there's the idea of like there being an original you does not matter to star trek yeah right which i find very interesting um but why do they why do they even have to leave the deck to go on away missions then like why do they have to stand on the transporter beam like if the information is in the system why can't they just transport down a copy of themselves to the planet and also stay on the ship and then have that 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 way if that like transporter copy dies it doesn't matter right yeah then the red shirt like (laughs) dilemma is not as much of a thing or whatever yeah uh because that's you know pushing the limits of like am i supposed to enjoy these characters if they're like functionally or if they need to fight a war like just send down like a million rikers to like like, fight a war (laughs) Uh, yeah i don't know star trek thoughts um so Superman and the SCU, they get Metallo to give up the location of Cerberus. So we're making some headway on this Cerberus thing. Uh, and Superman flies to go fight him, I guess. Maybe we'll find out. And the story of uh, Dabney's demise is on TV. And the Guardian is watching in uh, Cadmus Labs. And he comments, I'm a clone. What if Donovan had cloned himself? He While thinks getting, as he puts coins in to get coffee. I'm glad you said it because it's in my notes. Like I was just like, like, why does Guardian have to pay for coffee? <laughs> like, that was one of my thoughts. It's like uh, that's got to be terrible coffee coming out of a machine. Like yeah, I don't even like coffee. But anyway, so and someone else watching this news story is uh, Dabney Donovan or another clone of him maybe uh he's in hiding somewhere watching the news and lastly is uh, lex 2 watching the news in a limo as he thinks that like uh 
uh, oh no, you know, like this guy knows my secret. I could be, it could be all curtains for me or so. I don't know. <laughs> he looks like a friggin' like um, I don't know. He looks like a cartoon beast from Beauty and the Beast with his like <laughs> yeah, that's good call. Luxurious mane of lion's mane. Not necessarily this artist, but like this version of Lex Luthor always makes me think of uh, John Glover from uh, like Smallville, even though he was Lionel Luthor. Like he had kind of that look, like the yeah, longer, the wild hair. hair. Yeah, I do think this panel is really funny. Where like Lex in uh, being a brain in a jar is just like he's not just like and what about my hair? He's like and the hair. What about the hair? <laughs> <laughs> And while he's a brain in a jar, they give him like an electronic like voice or something so he can talk to them. But yeah. So the bonus question this time, it's a old familiar one. What video game ad is on the back cover of all four Superman titles, Dennis? Um, it's a, a comic issue dated June 1992. It is. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Okay. This is more than it's a uh, like a car like driving game like a. Ooh, uh, is it uh, Road Rage? I used to love that game. I don't know if that came out. That's not one of the choices. Here, but I'll give you the choices. You're not gonna. And sorry, you're not gonna talk about how you sent me a photo of a Cool World ad. Oh well, maybe. Can we do that after we cover the this question? For sure. Uh, yeah, for there sure. were there there were two movie ads that I sent you just because like I was just like, oh, what a fun time to go to the movie theaters in 1992 <laughs> in the summer. So it's a Mario Kart. B, Speed Racer and the Challenge of Racer X, or C, Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge? Oh, uh, you know what? I immediately was like, I bet Speed Racer is the answer. Uh, but Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge is a game I actually remember, kind of, and I don't yeah. remember the other ones, so I'll do that. Okay, uh, you don't remember Mario Kart? I remember Mario Kart, but they wouldn't do Mario Kart there. Obviously, I remember the original Mario Kart. Yeah, I think I was trying to steer it in the direction of like you got to think of what's lame to put on the back of, or not yeah. lame, but like what. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Sorry, Superman my immediate power. thing was like Mario's too big for Superman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so you got that one right, and you got a couple others right. Let me do your tally real quick here. You got, you well, you got the first one right because I rigged the question against myself. <laughs> so you got uh, five points there. And then I think you got the next two wrong. Yeah. Then you got two points for bleeding journos. So that's seven points. And then four points for the Ferrari. What's seven plus four is 11, right? All right. Yeah. So you're at 165. And now we can talk about, yeah, I included, uh, there's one movie poster ad thing in all the comics for cool, cool world. Uh, the, is that Ralph Bashke, right? Is it Ralph Bakshi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But the tagline for that movie, which I kind of want to talk about, <laughs> maybe we can avoid getting too blue, but uh, it's <laughs> Hollywood if she could. Because the plot of that movie is that you don't have sex with tombs if you're a <laughs> action human. But Hollywood. Hollywood if she could. And she's a tomb. And she's trying to bang Gabriel Byrne, right? Yeah, that's that's well, but but is it Val Kilmer or Brad? Brad Pitt's Pitt in is in well? it. Yeah, Brad, he's one of the people he, who lives in Toon World. No, she's trying to bang Brad Pitt, who's like this pilot that ended up there or something. No, well, she's trying to seduce Gabriel Byrne to get herself out of Toon World. Yeah, it's been a while since okay. I've seen this movie. So okay, when I was a kid, my folks pretty much let me watch all almost all like almost anything I would want, really. Like, they didn't, like, dad was, mom was more restrictive about what I could watch. Dad would kind of let me watch an R-rated movie if I could, like, you know, if I could talk him into it or whatever. This movie, they would not let me see when it came out. And I think it was, like, because it was, like, too, so clearly, like, like, they let me see, I don't know. It was, like, you know, this movie I couldn't see until it, like, came on the sci-fi channel or something, you know. But I wanted to see this movie for years. Yeah, it's it's interesting that like uh, the I don't know Jessica Rabbit and how uh, she's not bad. She's drawn that way and what she looks like. That's in a 
family movie, yeah. you know, like with the smoking baby Herman that like slaps his nanny on the butt. My problem stuff. is I got a 40 year old lust and a three year old dinky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With lines like that. But it also has like Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. But like this is definitely not a kid's movie. Yeah. Cool world, even though it's animated. Um, well, that was fun. Uh, trip down memory lane. And then the other ad is uh, Encino Man where the Stone Age meets the Rock Age. And it's a great like the evolution chart. And then it ends with uh, uh, Brendan Fraser on a skateboard there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A chilling new comedy in full Neander vision. <laughs> thawing this summer at a theater new, near you geez they threw like like you can't like just keep <laughs> throwing the lines in there uh obviously encino man is really the movie that has stood the test of time right i mean yeah uh has it <laughs> i don't know i mean like people love brendan Fraser to this day uh yeah and samwise ganji also is in this movie um sean astin but this was also the movie that launched the career of Polly shore right which well it's best not to <laughs> do you remember there was a period where like every Polly shore movie though had a brendan fraser cameo and he was no. playing encino man in the cameo are you making this up no no like in in the army now or something brendan fraser just like walked by and like ate a frog or something random like that like he always like just popped up as a caveman for like one second in a Polly Shore and movie. Like Biodome as well or something? I don't know if you, I don't know if that made it all the way to Biodome. Maybe. I just remember that was like a weird recurring gag in Polly Shore movies for a minute. I haven't rewatched it, but I remember kind of liking, what is it like hung jury or, or jury duty? <laughs> I think it's jury duty, not hung jury, but it was like, it was like a comedic take on 12 angry men. Basically. <laughs> I don't know if I saw that one. I remember it kind of, but the poster he's like in a toga robe where he's like lady justice with the scales but he's got like one eye peeking out or something i think anyway uh yeah that's that's our movie talk area uh <clears throat> do you happen to have a trivia for me oh yeah i do um and you probably you might know the answer to this one because you're reading like a bio of Siegel and schuster now um but do you know who was the original model for lois lane Joe Schuster hired a model who turned who was a teenage girl at the time. Yeah, n- uh, sh- I don't remember the name, but I know she actually put out like an ad that like she was like like w- willing to do like model work for hire, and like she got a bunch of like creepy proposals and stuff, but then like responded to Joe Schuster's request and. Th- like when she met Joe Schuster thought it was just like this kid. And she's like, okay, where's Mr. Schuster that like, you know? Yeah. He was like, I am Mr. Schuster. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, it's definitely who Lois was modeled after. And is that, did she, didn't she later become Jerry Siegel's wife? Yeah. Yeah. That's the bit of trivia I was going to get to. She like years later married His Siegel. second wife. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I guess I got that right then. Kind yeah. Of, you got I, it. Yeah. I've been yeah. reading this book. I can't remember her name though. It was uh, Joanne Kovacs when Joanne. they met, but it was Joanne with well, an L, J O L A N. I also think like that became that was like a, like her like, like she made a stage name, you know, like it wasn't her like birth name or something. I think Kovacs um, was her real name, and then she actually I have the book, so I will pull it up, and then she later created a stage name which was um, Joanne Carter, and then okay. she became Joanne yeah, Siegel. Think of. So, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting trivia of like, cause she didn't marry Siegel until like more than 10 years later. They like met in Cleveland and then they met again in like New York when they're after the war and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't, I, I don't have it right handy, but the book I've been reading, I, I have like just a couple pages left to finish. I don't know why I haven't finished it yet, but it's called Super Boys. It's pretty good for the most part. I feel like it does some weird things where like it starts with the story of like Jerry Siegel's father's death and then it like launches into like earlier history of like the parents and like 
up to birth and like mm. young age and then like eventually catches up to the point that like the book started at and like it alternates between Siegel and Schuster like not by chapter but just kind of like I don't think it's by chapter I think it's just like talk about Siegel so until they meet up and they're like working together uh but then it's like when it gets to the point where like they both died <laughs> then it's like about the legal battle stuff yeah. after that and then he just has some I mean it's not bad it's just he has some like interesting takes well and it's like interesting things. because the legal battle stuff should be interwoven into their whole career because that's really it's not just like I mean, a separate thing it talk, it's like part he of talks about the contract from the beginning and, yeah. and stuff and the, uh, I didn't the book I pulled this from was the men of tomorrow if you remember that one oh yeah I think I read that yeah for uh CCS this one it like <laughs> I was just like I gotta pull some trivia so I was like randomly grabbing pages like the editorializing in it is so strange because like they talk about how um you know kovacs joanne was uh like a teenager at the time and how she thought of them as teenagers but they were like they were men but um because they were two older men straining to impress her we're not kids but men half trapped in childhood trying to bluff their way past the hardest parts of growing up (laughs) Like, that's like an aggressive way to talk about this interaction you know okay well maybe the book i read is not so weird now for like they kept putting a lot on like all the like love lauren stuff that like jerry siegel would write in like his high school newspaper and things and it's just like yeah it's like okay you're like i don't know just the way it painted things yeah that's what i felt looking at this again was like there's such like aggressive like these pathetic men kind of attitudes. <laughs> also, uh, did they not, both of them not graduate high school until they were like 20? I don't remember that part of it. It seemed like they were in high school for a long time from the, the reading. Yeah. The book. It seemed like, like I, that's something I, I didn't remember, but I f- think I skimmed Like the they day were like, like working on the pitch for Superman while still in high school. Yeah. And like, it seemed like Siegel at that time maybe got held back or something. It was like 19 or whatever it's because there's like like how everybody they knew in high school had already graduated by the time they did so i think uh, they both they just like didn't work hard enough in high school and they kept them in until they were working on trying to create like uh comic books and things yeah strips i think that was where their main concern was and it was i don't know like i didn't realize reading that book the book i read that like siegel at least was like he was pushing for more money or rights like pretty quickly after they like had agreed to the like you know they weren't dumb like they knew that the like superman was selling and that like they were a key integral part to like why it was popular you know especially early on like it's not like other people understood like how to make superhero comics or like what was working you know yeah from the formula and like but like he'd write letters to the publisher and the publisher would just like just browbeat them down and like treat them like children and you know like or like give them a slight raise or you know like yeah barely anything yeah that sucks for them man and you know it sucks more that like there's so much superhero fandom that would support that you know it's like well they signed the contract that kind of you know like what's going on right now with both Siegel and Schuster and like the Stanley and Steve Ditko stuff, you know, people are like automatically signing with Marvel, like freep that. Sorry. I know I shouldn't swear on this podcast, but I hate fandom that like roots for a company over an individual, you know? Yeah. I'm disgustipated. Yeah. You shouldn't hold creators up to like a higher, like a godlike standard, like worship them, but also like they deserve to be paid for their works and like not get exploited when companies are making billion dollars after the, their creations. Yeah. Like, yeah, you shouldn't care more about the company and the, the creations than the creator. And it's like, like people then pretend that they knew them. Right. Like, like I read one comment about like Steve Ditko didn't care. Steve Ditko believed in work for hire and stuff. And it's like, you don't know Steve Ditko. And in fact, I know more about Steve Ditko than you because I, bought up until like he passed away i bought his mini comics and his mini comics were railing against work for hire and against he wrote whole mini comics that were just against the comic industry hmm. so like obviously if you're like steve ditko played by the rules like you don't know anything about ditko man like 
you know, and the thing that he didn't care about Spider-Man is, I assume, he didn't want to talk about Spider-Man to you. But in his many comics, he <laughs> talked about Spider-Man being a stolen property all the dang time. Like, people just don't want to, like, read his friggin' self-published comics. Yeah. Well, this is a fun note to end on, and... Uh... <laughs> Before we go super super long i'll just say i'm on twitter and uh for some reason and uh, my name is awesome yoder on there and uh, you, can... you earned it what you said you're for some reason called awesome yoder and i'm like oh you well, i was saying it. i'm on tw- i meant more i was saying i'm on twitter for some oh, reason which is what it feels yeah. like a lot sometimes <laughs> when you go on there and it's like there's not as much joy on here as i would like <laughs> but uh and Dennis, where are you uh, putting positivity out into the world on, on that? Uh, I'm at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. And that's my Twitter, my Instagram, and my www. Um, and you can find my comics at patreon.com. And uh, I have uh, a new book that will be out by the time this is aired. So it's uh, uh, Heart of the Night Monster, Part 1, with a secret comic inside. Um, I don't know how many comics, how many copies I'm going to end up printing um, because I'm doing a very weird thing. So I might limit the print run to just people who know, are in the know. So okay. look for that. But this isn't the complete story. Then this is just the first. This part is just of it? part one. Yeah. Okay. Eventually, the whole thing will come together. But I'm doing a limited print run of part one that will go to my patrons, my friends, and maybe to a couple of publishers as a pitch. So when you said book, I got really excited. I was like, Oh wow. Are you done? (laughs) Got a big, big deal going down, but hopefully keep your eyes out for that and uh, keep your ears out for us until next time. Lex winners. (laughs) (laughs) All right.